we're going to start with the call to worship. And we're going to still worship God and sing some songs together. Amen. And then next week, we'll kind of let you guys know what's going on. So uh, let, it, let us together say this call to worship responsively as we begin this morning. The Lord is King. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all people. Let them confess his name, which is great and awesome. He is the Holy One. Almighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have been executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Proclaim the greatness of our Lord and fall down before his footstool. He is the Holy One. And now we're going to sing some songs and pray. start with this one that Randy brought up just since I'm at the piano and it's fitting God I look to you I won't be overwhelmed give me vision to see things like you do God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do, yeah. God, I look to you. You're where love comes from. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do, yeah.
see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me the wisdom. You know just what to do. This morning, basically, we we had a long conversation about what we should do, what the church should do, where the church should be in this time. And, of course, everybody, we're all over the place about where we should be. But I think we all agree that we need to be in his will. We need to be anchored. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid, the solid rock. In times like these, we need the Bible. In times like these, we need a revival. Be very sure. 
be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid the solid rock that rock is Jesus he is he is the one that rock is Jesus he, he is the one. Be sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid, the solid rock. That rock is Jesus. He is the one. That rock is Jesus. He is the only one. Be sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid, the solid rock. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid, the solid rock. some assurance, no doubt. Mm. So, Isaiah 51. <laughs> reads, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light in the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and, and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. 
and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Hear me, you who know what is right. You people who have my law in your hearts. Do not fear the reproach of men or be terrified by their insults, for the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will devour them like wool, but my righteousness will last forever. My salvation through all generations. Awake, awake, clothe yourselves with strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days gone by, as in the generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea? The waters of the great deep who made the road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, he who comforts you, who are you that you fear mortal men, the sons of men who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent in destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who turns up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my word who laid them and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place who laid the foundations of the earth and who said to Zion, you are my people. Amen. I hope you 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your people. Uh, Lord, we do not take it for granted, those who decided to come out today. And we don't take it for granted, those who chose not to. Lord, you are God of all. And you've given us enough grace and freedom to decide what we think is best. And so, Lord, we thank you for that freedom in Christ. Lord, right now we just pray that you would be with all of your people um, who are members of this body or not, but across the world who are in a position and in a state of unrest, uh, maybe some anxiety, maybe even sickness. Lord, you are an ever-present help, and we're always in trouble. And so, Lord, we do not take it for granted just how good you are, that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us, and you're with us in the good and the bad, and even either, even still, blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Lord, we pray that this morning that you would be glorified in this place and in homes with everyone who's listening, that, that you would be ever-present, a tangible presence, um, and that they would know the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? You know, some of you may know the history of this song. It's, uh, it's been done so many different ways. And I like this young man's version of it, but it was a, uh, written about a man who sent his wife and kids ahead of him and the ship came upon a terrible storm and the three kids lost their lives. The, the, the mother survived and then later she passed on and this is where this song came from. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll,
First John chapter one, verses eight and nine. John writes this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to take a quiet moment here to reflect on where we've failed God this week. And then we're going to pray collectively together afterwards. So let's pray. together let's pray gracious God our sins are too heavy to carry too real to hide too deep to undo forgive what our lips tremble to name and what our hearts can no longer bear 
and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Now may the God of mercy who forgives all your sins strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we were called as members of a single body. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Amen. You guys can hang. You guys can whatever. I do need a... Who wants to give one? Here, I'll use this one. All right, so we're going to read out of John chapter 10. John 10. And this is fairly familiar in that it's the text of Jesus being the good shepherd. So, so we were in 1 John 1 which was a letter that John wrote, but this was the gospel, kind of the account of Jesus that he wrote. I have to lift my finger to turn the page. <laughs> and so that's where we're going to be. Before we do, let me tell you guys this, and I, and I want it to be on the podcast so I can quiz it as well. Um, so for those of you guys who are here, know this, and then podcast uh, folks know this. Next week, so it'll be, um, that'll be next week, April? What's today? Today's the 20th. Next week will be the 29th. Okay, so not quite April. Um, but next week, starting on March 29th, we're going to, we're going to continue to gather as a, as a church and look a little different. And we're going to spend some time to pray together. And we're going to spend some time to um, read scripture together. And just so they'll be giving us each other as family. Um, and so we will meet, but it'll be online with Zoom, okay? So I will send out some instructions earlier this week so everybody has a chance to make sure they can connect with it if you choose to. And um, if you have any trouble, just give me a call and I can help you out. Um, the idea would be that we would actually still gather here, but we'll see how this week shapes out. Things are changing more rapidly. Um, although I don't know how much more rapid they can change. We've hit, we've hit a lot of change this week. Uh, almost all society is a little bit different <laughs> this week than it was. So, um, But, uh, you know, we'll keep a pulse on that. But the idea may be that we meet here, you know, with at least some music and just sing some songs together here. But we can still do that. Anyway, so I just, I just wanted you guys to know that. Um, and we'll be communicating through that Um there have been a, there's been a push from folks, and I think it's a great idea to pray daily at noon um, every day. And so I would love it if you're not already doing it to join us in prayer at noon daily. Um, that is not virtual. That's just on your own. What I do is I set an alarm on my phone, so every day at noon it goes off, and um, it reminds me to pray uh, as if I'm not already. I've been like, you know, there's been a lot more prayers uttered. Um, if you're anything like me, um, the uh, 
during the time of confession, this morning part of that was spent just confessing anxiety and fear, which is really, really places where, if I'm being honest, that's places where I don't trust God is in control. It can feel that way, that God's lost control, although we as believers know that he has not. So um, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, the first 20, we're going to read the first 21 verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, and so you may have a translation that says by the gate, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeepers open. The gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, and they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come... All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who, is hired, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not know, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about aliens and planet, right? I'm just kidding. You gotta have a little levity, brevity, and levity in this type of situation. Um, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open up the eyes of the blind? <clears throat> so this is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to the Lord. Amen. So, um, to understand John 10. Because there's an event that happens in John 9 that actually is alluded to there in verse 21. Um, and so to understand John 10, we have to under we have to read, know, and understand what happened in John 9. So I'm just going to read some little parts of that. Um, as he passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. So this is John 9, verse 1. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned here? This man, his parents that he was born blind, and Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. Jesus essentially tells his disciples, they want to know, like, what happened? And Jesus said, nothing happened. 
This guy's blind so that I could display my glory. And it says, we must work uh, the works of him who sent me while it was day. Night is coming where no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And so he kind of goes through this thing with him, and then he heals this guy, right? And so what happens to the guy? The guy's eyes are opened. This man's eyes are opened to see Jesus. And as, the script, as, the, as John 9 goes on, he sees Jesus clearer and clearer. Um, he keeps coming back to Jesus and giving glory to Jesus and actually realizing that Jesus is who, he, who we know him to be, right? And so this is the blind man. But the, but the Pharisees, they don't quite understand it yet. So the Pharisees actually, uh, as Jesus is talking, right at the very end, um, Jesus said that they had cast him out and they found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, so he's talking back to the blind man. And he answered them, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? So this is the blind man talking. This is when he believed Jesus. Jesus said to him, um, you have seen him, and he who is speaking, to, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. So the blind man's physical eyes were opened, and now his spiritual eyes are opened. <clears throat> and Jesus said, for judgment I come blind, that those who do not see may see, and that those who do see may become blind. So some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he enters into the sheep pen, and then he goes into that. So you have to understand, to understand where he's coming from, there was no chapters and verses back then. It was just all one kind of thing, and so we broke that up for some reason right there, but they're together, all right? They're, they're very much, those two stories are tied together because they come, what Jesus says comes right on the heels of the Pharisees questioning because what had happened was here's a blind man whose eyes, physical eyes are open. Jesus opens his spiritual eyes. He says, I believe. He was blind from birth. Now, if you were blind back then, you had nothing, right? You're the, the, the disabled, the people who had diseases, all that. It, was, it wasn't as if you could just continue on in society. No, you were lower. You, were, you weren't educated. You didn't have this thing. And here are the Pharisees. So Jesus is putting this, these two people, groups of people, juxtaposed against each other. Because you have on one hand a blind man who can't see physically. And he can't see spiritually. And he doesn't know scripture and he doesn't know anything. And Jesus heals him. And now not only can he see physically, but Jesus reveals himself to him. And he says, he said, just tell, show me where this guy is. And, I'll, and the guy said, the one speaking is he. He says, I believe. Lord, I believe. His eyes were open. His spiritual eyes were open. Now, but here you have the Pharisees on the other hand. Paired with this blind guy, you have the Pharisees on the other hand. They have, they know all the scriptures, they know all the laws, and they've kept them all. And yet here they are; they're blind to who Jesus is. And so they asked Jesus, "Are we blind too?" And Jesus said, "Well, you claim to be able to see, and so since you say that you can see, your guilt is on you." The Pharisees want answers, but they don't like the answers they're getting. Right? The blind man goes out, and they said, "What happened?" He goes and tells them. They don't like it, so they go and ask his parents, is this your, even your son? They're like, maybe this ain't even the same guy. And they don't like the answers they're getting. And so Jesus then takes it and goes into what it is to know him. 
and what it means for him to be the good shepherd. But the interesting thing is, if you read the end of this whole kind of, tr- the whole story, so it kind of goes from the John 9, really that story goes from John 9 to John 10, verses 21. At the very end of John 10, very end of that, John uh, 10, 19 through 21, I'm going to read those verses one more time. There, are, there was again the division. So Jesus kind of talks to them about this gatekeeper thing. There were divisions, and we're going to get to that. There were divisions because these words, many of them said, he is a demon, he is insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open up the eyes of the blind? And what are they left with right here? So these people are left with this idea of what to do with Jesus and what to do with the gospel. And honestly, we are, we're left with that all the time. Because, you know, on one hand, they're saying, man, this guy's crazy. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis was kind of made a quote famous about, you know, is he a liar? He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord, right? And that's kind of what they're wrestling with. Is this guy just faking? Is he lying? Is he demon-possessed? He's a lunatic? Or, and if not, then he really is some sort of, Either the Lord or in two, you know, something right here. There's, it, it, it's either the power of God or the power of Satan that's kind of influencing this guy. And which one is it? And sometimes, like, we're wrestling with that, like, constantly. In fact, if you don't wrestle with that or haven't ever wrestled with that, then you never really got the scriptures, right? Because it is tough. Because we like to gloss over the scriptures, especially the ones we don't like. And if you don't believe me, think about Matthew 5. Jesus is teaching on divorce and remarriage. And that's an easy one to smooth over because it is tough. We try to smooth Jesus over and say, well, he didn't really mean it this way. He really meant this when it doesn't. But then when it's something we're passionate about, no, he absolutely meant that because that's what I'm doing. You know, so they're wrestling with this. These people are in the midst of that. And if we haven't gone through that, if you, ne- if you claim to never gone that, hey, you're, you're lying or you never read the scripture. You just took the flannel board, really nice version of Jesus that, you know, in my case, my grandma gave me because she. I just remember her using a flannel gra- graph in Sunday school when I was a kid. If I just took that and said, I'm just going to believe that, I'm never really going to wrestle with it, then you never really opened up the scripture and read it because it is there. Like, it is tough. It is real tough. I mean, even the 12 guys who were closest to the physical embodiment of the Messiah here on earth, Jesus Christ, even those 12 guys, like, fought against that. And then when a new guy came in, Peter, like after the fact, they fought with him. And here it is, the Holy Spirit is giving revelation to all these people. And they're still finding disagreements in there. What can we eat? Who's got to be circumcised? How does this happen? Everybody's getting riled up on it. And we can do that very easily. So this is what's happening. But when we really read Scripture, we butt up against these kind of things because the words of Jesus are hard. They're hard to all of us. Just a couple of verses right before that, in verse 17 and 18, Jesus says this. I mean, this is even crazy. I mean, this is, can you imagine being a Pharisee who has followed Scripture and, and like, the, the, the words sound like blasphemy as Jesus says them to them? How hard is that? Like, anybody can lay down our life. Anybody can jump off a cliff, pull the trigger, do whatever it is, jump in front of a bus, you know, whatever it is, anybody can lay down their life. But Jesus says, I have the ability to take it up again. Like, that was a claim to deity. Here he is telling these Pharisees, and he's claiming this 
this divine power. Like that was sacrilegious. And that's when it says right after that, like, man, this divided the crowd. Like they just couldn't believe it. They couldn't grasp it. And so here's what it is. They, some people see Jesus in this crowd for who he really is. The chosen one, the Messiah, God here in the flesh. Others didn't. But they were all really hard words. And he challenges us with that. They see him for who he really is, even though it's hard. And so a couple things that we see that Jesus does is he, he speaks to us. He's very clear, but he's very confusing. Second thing we see is that Jesus talks about how he is the door and the gate to salvation. And the third thing we, that Jesus offers himself to us is a good shepherd. So we're going to unpack that really quick. Um, Jesus says, Jesus is very clear, but he's confusing. Right there at the beginning of, verse, uh, of chapter 10, Jesus talks about, there are two ways to enter into the sheep pen, right? There are two ways. The first way, Jesus says, you can enter into the gate. Or you can enter in through some other way. Jump over the fence, I would imagine. It would probably be the other way. Uh, he doesn't really go into that. He says, but, but those who don't enter in through the gate, because he's talking about there is another way to get into the sheep pen, right? The way to get in is through the gate. The other, the other way is not the correct way. And so when we're looking at that, the right way and the wrong way, the right way would be to enter in through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the gatekeeper. And then he says, I am the gate. You can enter in through me. But the right way would be to enter in through Jesus. But he's talking to this group of Pharisees. Who, how are they trying to enter into the sheep pen? The other way. They're trying to enter in through their works, through, their, through all the good things they do, through the following of the law, through all this stuff. Jesus said there, there are two ways. One's through me, and then the wrong way, through whatever means it is. I mean, there's been plenty of people who try to figure out some other means to get to Jesus. It's a really interesting thing is, look in the scripture at who does the opening. Because a lot of us came to Christ, came to salvation, came to faith. And we feel like it's because partly because of something we did. We responded in some way. We did some. What, is, what does it say? The, the gatekeeper opens the gate, actually. It wasn't the person trying to get in. It was the keeper of the gate. None of us came to Christ on our own. God had to open up the gate, had to open up the door. So Jesus is talking to this group of people and say, you're not going to do this on your own. And here's the interesting thing. The reason why the, the Pharisees took such hard stance against this and some other people didn't was because for some people, man, it made perfect sense, right? It's like, yeah, I can't do it on my own. I ain't got nothing. And I've been told my whole life I got nothing. I've been told my whole life I can't do it on my own. And so to find out that someone can do it for me, that's amazing. Whereas the Pharisees have been told their whole life what? You can get it just through following the law, just through doing the right thing. And man, that just, man, when, you, when your whole life is built around that, that is tough words to hear. So Jesus is very clear, but he's confusing. And he even talks about it. He talks to them in this kind of, he doesn't say secret language. What's the, what's the words it uses? But he, uh, figures of speech. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. And he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying, hey, yeah, you were blind because you're not seeing this. There are two ways to get into the sheep pen. Only one is the right way, and that's through me. Every other way to get to God is not going to work. And they're like, I don't get it. 
that the one who has nothing, the one whose complete dependence can only be on God for salvation, gets it completely. And the person who thinks that we can't, that we can do it on our own, doesn't. It's all on God. We couldn't do, uh, we, it's all on God to do what we couldn't do, to live where we couldn't live, to become what we couldn't become. We can't do it on our own. And the, that is good news, right? That sounds depressing because we want to, we're self-sufficient. We're Americans, right? We want to be able to do home. We have realized more in the last 10 days than any other time that we can't. <laughs> we are so dependent on other things. We are not independent people like we thought we were. We are dependent on a lot of stuff. So that's being revealed to us. But God has actually been telling us that all along, right? You can't depend on anything but me. I became what you couldn't become. I died the death that, that you couldn't die for yourself. I live the life that you couldn't live, but there's all because of who I am. And that is good news because now we don't have to work our fingers to the bone to try to gain salvation, to try to gain something. So that's good news for us, and that's good news for other people. But the self-righteous Pharisees, they came into the pen by another way. God said that his sheep will know his voice. That is good news. This morning we had a long talk about what it is to hear God's voice. But Jesus promises here, like, my sheep are going to know my voice. There's been people in this room that I've had conversations with about what it is to hear God speaking. It's hard to hear God speaking in the midst of a ton of noise. It's hard to hear what God's saying to us because we got a lot of distractions. we got a lot of stuff pulling for our attention. And we got a lot of, like, Christian stuff distracting us and pulling for our attention. In fact, it's real easy when we want an answer to go somewhere for that answer outside of God, right? We can go and look up a YouTube video. What does this pastor say about this? We can go to a commentary. Man, what did this writer or thinker say about this? We can ask your pastor or ask your small group leader or ask whatever. What is this? And God's saying, like, I'll speak to you. I'll reveal to you. I'll show you. And that's tough. But here's how we know his voice. Here's one way. The message is different. Because the message from a lot of other places give you five keys to the kingdom of God, right? Or six ways to have the perfect Christian marriage or whatever. But what's God's method, message? You can only get there through me. You can't get there through six keys or five steps or 18 different. Guys in the room who've been married, how many keys are there to a perfect marriage? Well, there's one, pray. There's a million, and it changes daily depending on her mood, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, we can only get there through God. There isn't just one magic thing that we can do or four magic things we can do in a relationship with anything, God, whatever, that's going to, we need God guiding us. We need God leading us. And so if whatever message we're going to that doesn't say, hey, don't get it from me, don't take my message, don't take my ideology, don't take what's worked for me, pray and seek God and see that God gives you vision and wisdom, clarity, to know his voice, to hear it, to follow it. Um, 
think that's I think what ha- what I'm about to talk about is going away, but there was a big push, you know, five, ten years ago, way really even for a little bit longer of here's what the churches who are growing and getting these big mega churches, here's what they're doing, so we're gonna go do that too. Well, if the pastor of that church really was honest, like they just followed what God was telling them to do. And God blessed doing that. They didn't follow somebody else's formula. They just took an opportunity that was presented to them. You talk to successful people, there's not one thing to do. We like to write books about that because it sells and makes money, but it's not true. Every, every situation is unique. And the great thing is God is dynamic. He's not static. And he, and he can move with all the uniqueness of the situation. Coronavirus, government, economy shutdown. God said his sheep will know his voice. But God's message is different than the message that we get everywhere else. But here's the thing. The message that God has is confusing to those people who think they have it all. Right? You look at these two people juxtaposed against each other in this scripture. One guy had nothing and knew he had nothing, right? The Pharisees had everything, so they thought. They had all the answers. They knew all the religious things. And here is the creator of all the universe speaking to them face to face. He's right there. You could touch him just like I could reach out and touch Willie right now. I could touch him. And yet the ones who thought they knew everything couldn't hear his voice. And he's speaking right there to them. But that guy who had nothing, he heard it. He had nothing standing in the way. This message is confusing for the ones that think they have all the answers and know everything. And, and, and you see this happen even within the crowd. In verse 19, it says the crowd was split. They were divided amongst it because for some people, they thought they knew all the answers. They thought they knew what they were looking for. They thought they knew what it was going to be. And, the, and there was other people, and they're like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And there were other people who says, man, this makes perfect sense. I haven't been able to get ahead my whole life. This makes perfect sense that God would do it this way. Jesus' words were very clear, but they were confusing for those who wouldn't hear. Second thing we see that Jesus talks about, he is the gate to salvation, the door to salvation. And, and the good news in that is Jesus does talk about there being a thief and a robber, right? Verse 7, starting in verse 7, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come to me are thieves. All who came before me, excuse me, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The good news is not that there will be thieves and robbers. That's not good news. We don't want that, but there will be. Jesus said, hey, there were thieves and robbers, and they had an agenda, and their agenda was to steal, to kill, to destroy. What does Jesus promise? Good news is they'll find salvation in me. They'll come in through the gate, which is me, and they'll find salvation. That is the good news. And even though someone had an agenda to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus has an agenda to offer plenty, to offer salvation, to offer exactly what it was they needed. And, and the interesting thing is it not only offers just protection from that, it does says there will be salvation, but what does it say in verse 10? 
thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. It doesn't stop there, however. What does it say after that? Life what? Life everlasting, life to the full, life abundantly is what this ESV says, life abundantly. Look, that's a promise of Jesus for not just salvation, not just protection, but he offers plenty, life to the full. Not life like half full when you get what you need, like life to the full, you're getting everything. But hear this. So let me flip over to Mark 10. You don't have to, but if you can really quickly, you can flip over to Mark 10. It's an interesting story in Mark 10. And it's going to be starting in verse 17 uh, through, through 31. So Mark 10, 17 through 31, it says this. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark 10, 17 through 31. As he was setting out his journey, a man ran, ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor. And I'll give you treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How difficult will it be for those who who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished at him. Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, we, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. There is this promise of plenty that Jesus offers. And he talks about it in John 10, because he says, you can find salvation through me. There are these robbers that are going to kill, steal, and destroy. But I offer you life and life abundantly. And then you look at this story in Mark 10, and Jesus offers, Jesus is basically saying the same thing. This rich man comes to him and says, you know, what, I'm, what do I got to do? And Jesus said, you've done pretty good. You've kept the commandments. There's one thing that you haven't done yet. Just sell all everything you have, give it all to the poor, and then come and follow me. What was Jesus telling him? He's like, I got everything you need. You don't need to rely on your riches and your wealth. Just sell it all, and you, you're going to gain me, right? That's what he's saying. But what does Peter do, right? So they say, man, that's hard, Jesus. This is a hard teaching. And so Jesus goes to him and says, yeah, it is hard, but nobody who, uh, you know, this is, um, let me read it again because I'm going to say my own words and not the words of the scripture. Um, He said, look at how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed, but Jesus said to them, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? 
It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person in the kingdom. And they were exceedingly astonished. He said to them, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, nobody. It's impossible. Except for with God. With God, all things are possible. And then Peter, in his self-righteousness, opens his big mouth. Because Jesus just said, you can't do this apart from me. Like, there's no way. He's told a rich young ruler, you've done it really good, but there's one more thing. Do this and you got it. Give them away because you have really wealth. And the disciples are looking at this like, man, how is this even possible? Because they're saying this, you can't even get there through the eye of the And Jesus said, you can get there through me. Like, God can do this for you. And then Peter says, yeah, and we left everything and followed you. So there, Peter's trying to add something to the gospel. Peter, Peter's trying to say, I gave, we gave up all the good stuff and followed you. As if the, they gave up the, the greater good for the lesser good that was Jesus. They, Peter's, like almost as if Peter's trying to say, yeah, but we gave up all this good stuff. We gave up a house, a home, our family. We gave up all this stuff. We did better than the rich young ruler because we were willing to give it all up and follow you. Almost like, see, we did the right thing. We gave up all the greater good so we could follow you, the lesser good. And what is Jesus saying? Saying, Peter, you don't get it. Nobody who gave up anything is not going to give it back a hundredfold. And I'm going to make it up in their life, in this present life and in the life to come with my presence in their life. Like that is the biggest thing. The promise of plenty, the promise of plenty that God has for us is whatever you're willing to give up in this life, God is going to make up in his presence in your life that much more. But where that other stuff don't even matter. You're not giving up the lesser good to get the greater good. I mean, giving up the greater good, which was the house and home and land and all this stuff to get the lesser good, which is Jesus. It's like, no, you're giving up this lesser stuff to get me, which is everything. And that is where God can say that I've come to offer you life and life to the full if you get me. And when we put other things, like the Pharisees were being ahead of that, then Jesus' words make no sense to us. He offers us salvation, and that's what it means for us that we get him. And the last thing is that he offers himself to us as his good shepherd. And he tells it at the end of this, he kind of he kind of pits the shepherd versus what? The hired hand. Hired, right? If you've never seen this movie, Paul Blart, Mall Cop. There's a guy who's this rent a cop. Thank you, Damon, for the head nods, right? Paul Blart is this rent a cop, and he rides around on a Segway through the mall, and he does whatever it is, and he's got like, you know, maybe some mace on his side, and that's about it. And these robbers come in to steal stuff from the mall. It's this whole kind of an intricate thing. And at the beginning of the movie, if you remember, like when they first come in, he's being robbed, and everybody hits the deck, right? Paul Blart included. And they look at him and say, aren't you going to do anything? He's like, not for minimum wage. <laughs> I'm not. And that is what the hireling is. The robber comes to steal, kill, and destroy the sheep. And the hirelings, they look at him and say, aren't you going to save us? Like, not for minimum wage. And Jesus is saying, I'm not the hireling. I'm not just the person who's in there. Like, I'm the good shepherd. I care for you deeply, so much so that I'm going to lay down my life for you. Because the hireling is not willing to lay down his life for you. 
that man, that woman, that thing, that whatever it is that we put in there in the place of Jesus is not willing to sacrifice itself for you, they will leave. That thing will be gone. The hireling loves his life more than the sheep, but the good shepherd loves the sheep more than his life. The shepherd, and that's the good news of the gospel, is the shepherd loves us. He's not at all surprised by us. No matter what it is that we thought this week, no matter what it is we did this week, no matter what it is that we plan to do, right? God didn't surprise God. He loves us, even still. And that is good news. And that is good news for a lot of people who are scared right now. Today, God's speaking to you. Good news, neighbors. He he will offer you salvation. He is the greater good. Even if you lose all that stuff, it's not like that's make putting you in a right position for God, like you're already there. God has done what he needs to do, and he is the good and he is the good shepherd who loves you and is willing to sacrifice and lay down his life for you. He loves fully. He leaves what? He leaves the ninety-nine and finds the one. We sang a song this morning about God being our shepherd, about God loving us, about what? Going through the valley of death and dying and having zero fear because we got all we needed, which was God. He knows you intimately, better than you know yourself. He's not outraged or shocked by the things you do. He may not like it. He may want you to change, but he's he's not shocked. He's not outraged. He loves us. And so what does Jesus do? He lays down his life for his sheep. You can hear God's voice this morning. You can hear God speaking to us this morning. But the one thing that I want us all to hear and hear is that God loves you. In the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of all that seems crazy, in the midst of all that seems like coronavirus, he's not a lot shocked by our responses to it. That God loves us. He embraces us. In his journey to the cross, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that I am the good shepherd. There's a difference between me and them. They won't lay down their life for you, but I'm going to. And I'm going to prove them. They actually, here's the thing, is those guys, the saints, they actually got to watch that exact thing happen. Jesus laid down his life, and then he had the power to take it up again. So this morning, we're going to pray to the good shepherd. And then we're going to stand together and say the words of the Nicene Creed. And then we're going to sing one more song of hope. And then we'll see you next week on Zoom. All right? Let's pray. God, our Father and Good Shepherd, thank you for loving us. Thank you for leaving everything else to find us. Brothers, our desire is to know and to follow you. Help us to realize that in that following, we're not leaving anything behind that wasn't less of less worth than you are. Let us not be like Peter was in that moment, saying, look, God, I've, I've lost all this stuff for, for you. Help us to realize, God, we gain you. Good shepherd who loves, the good shepherd who heals, the good shepherd who offers us 
salvation. Let us not seek it out in ways that aren't through the gate, but let us go through the gate of the kingdom. And that we can hear your voice and we can follow the good shepherd who, and that we know that that's safe to follow the good shepherd, even if everybody around us tells us that is unsafe and crazy. We can know that following you is always safe because you love us and care for us more than we even care for ourselves. God, would you give us wisdom in the weeks to come? Would you help us to silence the noise and hear your voice so that we can follow you? We love you, God, in your name. Amen. So if you would, stand with me. Let us confess the faith of our baptism as we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. And I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
of the Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and presents you blameless before his presence with glory, before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 